happy Monday. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Reclamation Church podcast. My name is John. I serve as the youth director here at Reclamation Church in Plano, Texas. And I'm so excited that you've decided to join us today because we are starting a new series called The Kingdom of God. If this is your first time hearing about Reclamation Church, I'd like to invite you to visit our website at re.church. That being said, let's listen in. Welcome everybody here to Reclamation Church. Um, my name is Tom Wilson, the senior pastor of this amazing church. And, uh, you know, it, it's uh, the, the thought that I had in the back as I'm just watching everyone worship and, and those at home who are worshiping um, is I, I love to see my church. I love to see you guys. And I love I know you love to see each other. And, and, and I'm missing those who are at home, honestly. I know that we have so many people that are online worshiping um, and, and you get to see us kind of, um, but we don't really get to see you. And so just know that our, our, our thoughts and our prayers are with you guys, and we love you, and uh, we can't wait for this pandemic to get over with. Um, and you're going to hear about it here in a little bit, but we have an event coming up next Sunday night, and we're doing a Dallas Cowboy tailgate party. And that really is a type of event that we're trying to do to encourage those who were at home to be willing to kind of do some stuff with us. And so it's all going to be outside. So those who want to be outside and walking around, you can. We'll have a place for you to sit. But for those who were at home, um, listen, even if you hate football, I, I really want to encourage you to come to this event because we want to see you desperately. We miss you guys. We love you. Um, you guys can come. You can stay in your car. You can just turn your FM radio to a certain station, watch the game, participate. We're going to have uh, drawings and fun and games and stuff. And so uh, just never forget that we're still one church body, um, regardless of what's going on in this world. So, um, hey, I've had a, uh, an interesting week. I turned 45 uh, on Friday. And... Uh, it's you know what's so funny about this is those who are younger right those who are like in their 20s they they kind of say the same thing hey you're only as old as you feel right i mean you're still young and like no, those who are older, it's like it only gets worse from here, right? Uh, and so those who are in their 20s, no, it's going to get worse for you. It's going to suck. So enjoy it while you can because it does not get, well, it gets better in some things. The physical condition goes down. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting, cruel world we live in, but we do live in a broken world, and so we got to own that. Um, so my highlight for my birthday, no exaggeration, we're doing construction, as you guys are well aware, at our house. Uh, I tore down a bathroom. I went to the dump in the rain, uh, in which case I had to get out, and uh, my feet sunk in the mud about this far. Not just mud, dump mud, which was horrible. Um, and uh, I got to break a toilet with a sledgehammer, so there was the highlight of my, my birthday afternoon. And then that night, we had an awesome family dinner. So what else do you need for your 45, right? I mean, that's it. Uh, thank you guys for all your well wishes and uh, the sweet text and emails and stuff. Um, okay, so we are starting a brand new series. We're calling it The Kingdom of God. And so I want us to take the kingdom of God and kind of just place it on a shelf for a minute. We're not talking about the kingdom of God for a minute. I want to talk about kingdoms that are in this present world that we can physically see. And I want to talk specifically about the absolute um, most visited kingdom on the planet of the earth. And if you know what that is, it is... Look at this, the Disney World, the uh, Magic Kingdom. This is the most visited kingdom on earth. Um, now, what's interesting about the uh, Disney uh, Kingdom is there's no king. Do you know that? 
it's a kingdom, but there's no king. It's not Mickey Mouse. Uh, he, he does not claim to have the kingship, yet they have a princess. They have Cinderella. They have a lot of princesses. They just have no king. Um, what's also interesting about the most visited kingdom on the planet of the earth is it is worth $133 billion. Let that sink in for a minute. Uh, this powerhouse in the entertainment industry. Um, so the interesting thing about the kingdom of uh, Magic Kingdom is if you've ever been before, my family and I, we have made the Mecca. That's what it is for Americans, right? We make the Mecca with our children to the Magic Kingdom. We've been twice, and what's really crazy about it is it is... It's as perfect as, as we think we can attain in some atmospheres, right? And so we get there, and everyone is super nice. Everything is perfectly clean. Everything's outrageously expensive, right? Um, and so when I went, I had a friend challenge me to a dare, and, and it, it was legit. It actually worked. He said, I want you to take an empty paper cup and, and just throw it in the middle of the road of, like, you know, the main street there and just see how long it takes to get cleaned up. So sure enough, we finished lunch, and I took my cup and made sure, and I just tossed it out thinking, okay, if you did that on our campus, it's going to be there for a while, right? And we're not, we're not immaculate. We don't have little mouseketeers running around cleaning up. Threw it on the main street of Disney, and within like 90 seconds, there's somebody with a little broom and a thing, and, and that's, that's the magic kingdom. Everything is like, hmm, okay. But it's not exactly real. We know it's a fairy tale. So let's take that kingdom and set it off the side. Let's talk about another kingdom that we know in this world that is very famous, very popular. Um, this particular one, if you look at this picture, you'll know who I'm talking about. Buckingham Palace. Now, we don't have royalty in this country, uh, those who think they are, but we don't have royalty. I mean, sad thing is the closest thing to royalty in our country is probably celebrities. We, we treat them kind of in the same way. But in England, they have legitimate a royal family, and we look at them, we say, well, hey, that's incredible, and, and that's got to be perfect, and it's, it's not. Fact is, if you uh, saw the headlines before corona hit the United States, there was one main headline taking over everything on tabloids, and that, my friends, is this. Meghan and Harry, it says kicked out of the royal family. Um, actually, they chose to leave the royal family. Now, you, you look at that and you're like, who in their right mind would walk away from royalty? That's how dysfunctional a family can get, even in, in, in royalty, right? Um, now, what they didn't realize, it's kind of coming out now, they thought they were going to kind of, you know, take a back seat, you know, kind of one foot in, one foot out. We can do this, but we're not going to do this. Kind of stop away from the drama, but we'll still have this. And the queen said, no, I'm sorry, either you're in or you're out. She's not doing this in-between thing, and so they're, they're out. And, and what's crazy about it is they walked away from a family fortune of $88 billion. Walked away. What they also walked away from, this probably, let's add them to our prayer list, right, because I'm sure they're hurting um, they left the stipend, their yearly allowance, of $6.5 million. Walked away from it. And you look at that, and you're like, respectfully, how messed up does a family have to be to walk away from that kind of stuff? And so we look at even that kingdom, and we're like, gosh, we have fairy tale, or we have dysfunction. But that's kind of what we know about when it comes to kingdoms. What I want to talk about today as we're starting the series is a different kingdom. Uh, we're talking about the kingdom of God. And what we know about this kingdom is uh, it's really interesting. It's not make-believe like Disney, but also not visible like what you would see at Buckingham Palace. It's absolutely real, but Scripture says it's invisible. What we also know about this kingdom is this kingdom will last all of eternity. 
And we're not about the, the magic kingdom, we're about the master's kingdom. And in the master's kingdom, scripture is crystal clear that there will be no more death, no more pain, there will be no more fear. Right? It's, it sounds great, there's no more pandemics, no, no more you know, pain, no more suffering. This is the kind of kingdom we're talking about. And scripture says very clearly that in this kingdom, uh, the way it phrases it is the lion will lie down with the lamb. Right? The predator and the prey will now live together. You look at that, it's like, okay, what is this? Now, the cool thing is, is if you're here this morning, if you're watching this morning, and you are a Christian, or you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you're a citizen of this kingdom. And what we've got to realize is we need to know what the kingdom of God is, and how important it is, and get details about the kingdom of God. Because if you don't know this, Jesus talked about the kingdom of God a lot. I mean, a lot. In fact, let me just give you some statistics about the kingdom of God. Um, 61 times the kingdom is mentioned in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Over 80 times, 85 times in the New Testament is referred to. Um, Jesus even said in Luke 4.43, look at what he says here. He said, he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns as well because it's why I was sent. And then check out this one. The very first sermon that he preached was on, guess what? Kingdom of God. He says, Mark 1, 1 15, uh, the time promised by God has come at last, he announced. And there it is. The kingdom of God is near. And then we've heard this before. Repent of your sins, right? Be baptized. Repent. The good news, right? it's here. Uh, the prayer that he taught us, on like the model prayer, uh, if you remember that verbiage, Matthew 6, 10, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth that is in heaven. So we're like, okay, what is this kingdom thing in then? A minute ago, you guys took communion, and whether you took your little cup and you opened it or when you did it at home and whichever way you did, that is modeling something that Jesus did 2,000 years ago. As he's in the upper room with his team, if you will, and he just got done talking about the blood and talking about the covenant and the blood's going to be shed and this is the new. And then look what he says in Mark 14, 25. I tell you the truth, I will not drink wine again there it is again, until I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. Can you guess his last message to people? Right before he left and went to heaven, one topic, it was, say it with me, the kingdom of God, Acts 1-3. This is after the death. Look what he says. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. So in other words, you, you know the story about doubting Thomas, and, and Jesus literally shows up, and he's like, I, I'm sorry, I can't believe that Jesus is there and talking to you guys and that he's real, unless, he says, I, I put my hand into his side, and I could tell for myself, this is real, because I saw him dead, and I can't believe he's alive. And so Jesus shows up, and he takes his fingers, and it sounds kind of gross, but he put him in his, his wrist where the holes were, touches his side, and he looks at him, and instantly it's like, the, okay, I get it. You're real. And then look what it says. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. So here's a question about the kingdom of God. Is it something that we will enter into in the future as disciples, or is it something that we're already in as disciples? And the answer is yes. It's both. And this is such an interesting topic. And Jesus talks about it over and over and over. And the sad truth is most people don't know much about what it means. 
And we look about the kingdom of God and we say, well, okay, we know it's in the future. That The prayer we just looked at, Jesus says, thy kingdom come. That's a future tense. There's another interesting scripture, Luke 17. Um, really interesting what he says here. He says, one day the Pharisees talking to Jesus, he said, when will the kingdom of God come? Even back then they're like, okay, wait a minute. What is this thing? And when is this kingdom coming? So he's talking to a Pharisee. Look what Jesus said. The kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. And you won't be able to say, oh, here it is, right? I stumbled upon the kingdom, or it's over there, for the kingdom of God is already among you. Now, what's interesting now, that is the the New Living Translation. It's not really the best phrase as far as a translation. Actually, where it says already among you, it really should say within your reach or within your grasp. So it's really Jesus talking to this Pharisee saying, here's the teachings, here's what I'm showing that's truth, and it is so right there. And in essence, he's forcing the Pharisee to make a decision. It's it's within your grasp. What what are you going to do with this thing? What we also have to understand is the kingdom of God, respectfully, is not the church. It's not this right here. And this is where it gets really complicated and really weird. You're like, okay, wait a minute, but we're part of the kingdom of God, yes. But is this the kingdom of God? Not really. Okay, uh, uh, an interesting quote from a guy named Alfred Loisy. Here's what he said. And this is, a Christ, this is a Catholic theologian years and years ago. Here's what he says. Jesus came to establish a kingdom, and basically all we gave him was the church. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I read that, and I'm like, wait a minute. That kind of almost hurts my feelings a little bit because, you know, I, I grew up in the Restoration Movement, and I grew up with this Protestant, you know, background from when I was 15 years old. And what I was told over and over and over and over is we are the body of Christ. Amen? And we are the body of Christ. And what we know is the Spirit of God lives inside of you if you've given your life to Jesus. And so we've kind of always been told and always heard, well, we, as his body, and what he's saying is, but this is not the kingdom of God. And I think really kind of what he's talking about is, for one, you know, when a few hundred of us come together and worship, what he's saying is, let's not take that and say that's the kingdom because there's so much more to it. We're kind of missing the boat if we think this is it. And I love church. I love what I do here. I love my job. I love you guys. But the truth is, this is just really a taste of what the actual kingdom of God will be and what will look like. And listen, for a French Roman Catholic priest to say the church is not enough is a staggering statement. Now, what's really interesting for us to understand what the kingdom of God is and what the kingdom of God isn't, let's take just a moment and talk about what church is and what the kingdom is. And so in your mind, if you kind of just kind of make maybe a classification, we have the church on this side and we have the the kingdom on this side. And what's the difference and what's the the pros? Let's look at it. So on the church, really, the, the church, it has a property. You know, yesterday, I know we had a men's work day up here and they did a lot of stuff around that, the property and, you know, well, the kingdom has something different. The kingdom has a dominion, right? The kingdom is, is, is global. The kingdom is, is massive. The kingdom is interstellar, where so many times a church ends up being 901 Cross Bend Road, which just happens to be our address. Uh, the church has a, a hierarchy. It has a structure, right? It has myself and has elders. What does the kingdom have? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And they rule. It is all them. Now, please hear me, the, the God obviously rules here as well, but have you ever seen a church that kind of messes things up <laughs> and they're doing it all for the glory of God because God spoke to them? That ain't happening in the kingdom. 
He is in charge. Uh, church, we have these things called members. Uh, and I will tell you, there are so many churches where uh, I'm guessing there are even stories within this room and, and online of nightmare stories of, you know, we had to go to class for 12 weeks and we had to submit our, our W-2 forms to the church before we could become members. And they told us exactly how much we had to give. And that's not uncommon in a lot of churches. And so we have members, but in, in a kingdom, you have something different. You have citizens. And what Alfred Loisy is saying is there's a difference between what we think is the kingdom, and that's the church, and what is the kingdom of God. And it's a massive difference. Uh, in, in church, we have these things called rules, right? And every church has little rules, right? And they're all man-made for the most part, right? You can't run in church, right? You can't dance in church. Before we had a concrete um, stained and we had carpet, there was a legitimate rule on the books that we couldn't have red punch at an event in our building. It's a rule. Well, why is that? Well, because it stains the carpet and you can't get it out. You can have clear punch, just let's stay away from the red stuff. Those are rules. But in the kingdom, you have laws. And you have a king who said, this is what we're going to do, what we're not going to do. And there is no gray area. This is it. Um, as I mentioned before, the kingdom spans the globe, and the church is really kind of a, a local. And so what Alfred Lousy is saying is there's a difference between, yes, there's church, but there's so much more. And if you're here thinking, well, this is it, please know there's more coming, okay? Uh, there's a lot more to it. In fact, one commentary, this is really interesting. Here's what he says. The kingdom of God is indeed much more and indeed so much different than the church. And then here's his, his, his challenge. Just try replacing kingdom in the New Testament with church or church with kingdom. And you'll quickly realize the synonyms are not the same. They're the same, but they're completely different. And we're part of the kingdom, but this is not the kingdom. And so what we're going to be doing in this series, I'm really excited about this, is we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God in general. Next week, we're digging into who the king is. And there's only one king in this kingdom. And so it's important that we understand if we're going to be here and be a part of God's kingdom that we know who he is and what his characteristics are and what he's about. Uh, from that, we're talking about citizen. Um, and, and I will just tell you, this message hits at just the right time because um, in this country, are you guys aware that we have an election coming up? If you guys may not have heard that. In fact, those who are online, you're probably getting ads right now about somebody wanting to get voted in, right? There is a small election coming up in, in about a week, week and a half. And, you know, I just want to speak to us, those who are citizens, right? Those of us who we, we belong to God's kingdom. What we have got to own and understand is we are citizens of God's kingdom before we are citizens of a country. And I'm not saying don't vote. I, I voted this week with my son, his first time ever. It was a great privilege. It was an honor. But sometimes we kind of get those priorities out of whack. And we're more concerned about taking a side of the aisle than understanding that God loves everybody. And, and I just, I, publicly, I want to declare, I don't care if you're Republican, if you're Democrat, I love you. I love you dearly. Um, and I'll make you this promise, Jesus loves you more than I love you. And, and so it's not about that. And so we've got to realize we are a citizen of God's kingdom first. In fact, when we gave him our life, here's essentially what we did, right? We gave him control, we gave him the law, and then we took all the titles we have, Right? What titles do we have in this world? Or, you know, make it personal. Well, I'm, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a son. Um, you know, my wife's a, a teacher. She's a wife. You know, whether you're a, a, a whatever, Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, all those titles, they dropped the floor. 
And what matters most is you belong to him and you ask him, what am I doing now? How are you going to work through me? And priority one, and we did a whole series on this about priorities, especially it was our marriage series. Uh, Your spouse can't be number one. No, no, no. You you need to knock that title down one and you put him first in your life. And he rules all. And that's where his kingdom is present in this world today. And so we're talking about citizen week number three. Uh, We're talking about community. Because the truth is, as this kingdom comes together as a body, we have this, this, this unity that comes between us. And the unity is, it's the Spirit of God. And if you don't know this, this is such a staggering thought. When you give your life to Jesus, His Spirit indwells, Scripture says. It, it comes inside of you. It's getting close to Halloween, kind of a creepy thought, but literally He possesses you. That's what it is. He over, he's inside of you. But you don't have some evil spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. And the exact same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells inside each and every believer. And because of that, we are connected. That community, uh, this kingdom is coming together. And then week number five, we're talking about the cause. Because the cause of this community, we're going we're gonna to touch on a little bit today, is so much more. Please hear me. It is so much more than coming into a room and, and watching me speak and singing some songs. We are gathered together for a purpose, to serve the king and what he would have us do for him. So each week we're going to kind of begin to unpack this. And then my prayer, honestly, is that we'll kind of get back on track. And I'm not, I'm not saying anything negative about where we are as a church, um, but here's what I know about churches all across this world is they were doing this thing, and they thought God is telling us to do, and then COVID hit. And then we're all scrambling, like, how do you even get a camera to work on Wi-Fi in a barn? Right? <laughs> it's no longer about, it's like, we just, how do we even just function and survive this thing? Um, we've got all that figured out. We've got to get back to ministering. We've got to get back to pastoring. We've got to get back to what the vision God's called us to do. Um, if you've been a part of this church for a while, then you know that our vision here at Reclamation Church is we want to embrace those who've given up on church with a lowercase c. We still believe in the body of Christ. Please hear me. What we don't believe is, wear a suit and a tie and look just the right part, then you don't belong here. You don't see that in Scripture. We want to be about God's business, and we want to really help people discover Jesus Christ. So today's whole uh, um, perspective is just to set the foundation. That's where we're going with this series. So um, now what's really cool is the church began, and one of my favorite topics to preach about is the local church, because obviously I'm a pastor. I, I love and I adore the local church, but the way church began was about thousand years ago, Jesus was uh, back from the dead, which you say that lightly, he's back from the dead, right? That's everything we believe in hangs upon that. He resurrected. What we also know through scripture is he spoke with uh, his followers. Uh, He spent some time with them. Uh, They thought he was a ghost. They didn't think he was real. He proved his identity. And then all of a sudden he begins to teach them. What's he teaching about? The kingdom of God. Right? Sunday school answer is Jesus, and this series is it's the kingdom of God. So whenever I say, what is it? You say, it's the kingdom of God. And I'll say, good job. You guys are brilliant, right? Um, okay, so here's what happened. Jesus is talking to a guy named Peter, and he says, Peter, you are, here's the word he uses, my rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. And then Peter's going, that's so cool. And what is that exactly? <laughs> They didn't know. They didn't know what a church was. And so what happens is uh, Jesus, before he, he ascends, Scripture says, back to heaven, 
he's speaking to them, and he tells them this, and he gives them the Great Commission, which basically means I want you to go out and advance my kingdom. I want you to spread the gospel. Um, if you're new to the church world, because I, I never got this. Uh, in case you're wondering, when I, my very first, this is God's honest truth, my very first biblical test I flunked with an F. I, I didn't pass at all. It was at Amarillo High School, and people assume people know things, and you're afraid to ask. And I am so old that I was around before Google was around. And so you didn't know, like, okay. And here I am in a high school class. Uh, they actually had a Bible class back then. Uh, it was a history class. And I'm thinking, man, I'm a new Christian. I I'm going to take the New Testament, and I'm going to be like, man, I'm going to be ruling at youth group, right? So here they have this... Uh, pastor there, preacher, teaching, and he said, okay, for our first exam, I want you to go home, and I want you to write a paper on the Great Commission, and all these good little Christian kids are like, got it, and I'm like, the what? The Great Commission, right? I had not a clue, so I, I didn't turn anything in, and, and the guy gave me an F, even after I said, I don't know what that is, rather than teaching me, he's like, ah, sorry, F, so okay, um, what the Great Commission is, it's as Jesus left the earth, went back to heaven, it's the mission of the church. I want you to go out and advance the kingdom, tell everyone about the good news, which is the fact that Jesus died on the cross and resurrected, took our place, saved us from hell. Go tell people that, help them become Christians, get baptized, let's help them get there. That's the mission of our church. So he gives them this mission, he leaves, and before he leaves, he says, be ready Peter specifically, because the Holy Spirit's coming. It's a gift. Now, they'd heard of spirit before, but they had no idea really what he was referring to. So you flash forward about a month, month and a half, and, and what takes place is this thing called the day of Pentecost. Now, essentially, it's a religious holiday, and at that religious holiday, there are people all over the countries, plural, coming to town for this big celebration. We have a thing called Thanksgiving, right? We kind of know, hey, we're going to have a lot of food, we're going to celebrate. But for the most part, that is very American. This is different. This is all kinds of countries, and because of that, you have all kinds of languages. Um, and, you know, again, this is way before Google. Um, if you've ever been out of the country, uh, I've been to Brazil before, speaking Portuguese. You can't even guess what they're saying. You're like, that one. I, I don't, not a clue, right? They didn't have tools. And so literally, if you didn't know the language, you're kind of out of luck. So all of a sudden, they're at this uh, celebration, and Peter starts to feel something. He's feeling the Spirit kind of come upon him. And, and what Peter does is he stands up in the middle of, let's just say, a town square. And I'm assuming he probably stood on top of a hill or a mountain or maybe someone's shoulders. We don't really know. But he, he begins to speak, and, and he doesn't even know what he's doing yet, but he's doing this. He's preaching a sermon. He gets up, he starts preaching a sermon to this crowd. What's different is everyone in the crowd have different languages, they can all hear Peter. And so this miracle's taking place, and, and they're like, are you, and they think they're drunk. They think, <laughs> they, they don't know what, not the first time churches have been accused of being drunk, right? Uh, they don't know what's going on, and all of a sudden he's beginning to preach the very first sermon of the very first church service ever. Now what is so staggering is, is the, the mission was the same, the message was the same, and it wasn't exactly sugar-coated. It basically went like this. You need Jesus, but you killed Jesus. Repent and get baptized. That's kind of it. And they all fall to their knees, and what we knew is 3,000 people got baptized. And so you have a, maybe a couple dozen people 
standing around going, what's the Holy Spirit and what's the church and what's God going to do? Flash forward a week, it's now like 3,000 and a couple dozen people. It exploded. Well, that's the first church. And so what we know in Scripture is the first church, if you look at Acts 2, 44 through 47, here's what it looks like. Now, you've got to realize it didn't look like this. It didn't look like most churches, especially in America, because you guys are all sitting in a row facing me, looking at a screen. We have a band that plays music. It wasn't like that. In fact, if you're privileged enough to be part of a small group, look more like that. Imagine your small group at someone's house having church. That's really the New Testament church. So Acts 2.44, it says all the believers were together, and they had everything in common. So I want to I want to push pause for a minute because I think sometimes we we think well I need to gather around people who are just like me everything in common. So what is that referring to? Understand this: the first church they had divisions within their church as well. They had people on both sides of the aisle. They had people who were Gentiles, those who were Jews, those who spoke one language, who spoke another language. They had all over the place. They had ultra conservatives, and then they had liberals who didn't know any better because, you know, they were, they were prostitutes two weeks ago. They are like, oh, that's not right. I shouldn't. They, they just, it was a mess. That was the local church. And so what we've got to realize is that we, we don't gather around a bunch of other middle-class white people and say, you're just like me. That's not what this is referring to. What it says is everything in common, the Holy Spirit, the message of Jesus, the mission of the church, they're all part of the kingdom of God. That's what they have in common. And so it says this, 45, you don't see this very much in today's church. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. But when you see it, it's amazing. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved because you know what? The people around them had never seen this before. And they were just blown away. This is a church, all of a sudden, that are treating women in their culture better than they've ever seen before. With respect and honor. It's just like, what is this? They're now treating their slaves like family. Like, what? It was something brand new. That's the first church. But you know the story of the second church. We flash forward a little bit. Acts 11. The second church was a church in Antioch, by the way. Here's what it says. Some of them, right, they, they left. They heard this message. Uh, However, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks. What are they speaking on? Come on. I gave you the answer. What are they speaking on? The kingdom of God. Okay, so don't, don't misphrase this. Look what it says, telling them the good news. Well, what is the good news? The good news is Jesus died, resurrected. It's this message. It's, there's this incredible kingdom that you've got to know about. So they're sharing this message with them. And then look at this. Look at verse 21. The Lord's hand was with them. And again, a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. They were witnesses to what God's doing. It was the kingdom. And so what we can take from this as a church we need to be about one thing, our king's business. What he wants to get done is what we're going to do. What he tells us to do, that's what we're called to do. And, and what we've got to realize is as citizens, we don't get to say, I don't think so. <laughs> no, no, that may happen in a church. That don't happen in the kingdom of God. 
drastic differences. Uh, you know, a church could say, hey, all day long, we need someone to work in the nursery and someone to mow the grass, and we are dying for someone to do this and this and this. And people can go, I'm, I'm going to pray about it for a little bit, and then God's going to tell me no because i got to take my kids to soccer practice, and that's more important. And like, yeah, I just said that. Sorry. Okay, so that, like, that's the church. But in a kingdom, even us Americanized people, in a kingdom where the king is sovereign, and he says, I need you to tell that woman at the coffee shop that she is loved and my son died for her. And you're going, I don't think so. That's going to be so weird. No. The king just spoke to you and gave you an absolute mission. If you're a king, either you're in or you're out. He is the Lord. He is in charge. And so what is the king's business? We know this. Advancing the kingdom. Spreading the message, right, that the kingdom of God, it's talking about the good news. That's also something else I didn't know early on in my faith is when it talks about the gospel, um, that's nothing more than a fancy word for a good news. What is the good news? Sunday school answer is Jesus. Good job. You got it right. That, that's really what it is, okay? So it's about advancing. It's about sharing. It's about loving. One of our catchphrases here is loving like Jesus. It's embracing those who are different than us and saying it's okay. Don't care who you voted for. You know what? God's in charge of all of that. It's okay. Let's just love each other, and let's just talk about what God was in your life, okay? Um, so we need to be about kingdom business, specifically a kingdom perspective, or maybe you've heard a kingdom mindset. And I will tell you, most Christians fail horribly at this. I will just tell you. Because we wake up in the morning, and we're more concerned about the kingdom of me and forget about the fact that we're living in this world. And if you want to get technical, we're really on a mission trip. We're on mission here. We're more concerned about retirement than we are about advancing the kingdom of God. And we, we, we forget the two. And we've got to realize that God is still alive. He's inside of us, and he wants to work through us to advance his kingdom. We're on mission. We're a citizen of his kingdom. I, I have publicly declared before, I, I hate the phrase church member. I hate it. Because it declares, for one thing, that you're, you're, you're signing up for something, and you're like, wait, <laughs> I don't care if you're a member of my church. I don't care. I care about is if you're a citizen in God's kingdom. That is so much more important. Okay, we've got to realize that a member kind of comes with this idea of rights and privileges. You know, I paid my dues. Where's my country club? You're like, no, push that away. You look at that house church 2,000 years ago, there was one mission. We're going to advance the kingdom of God. And so in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to ask a lot of questions. We're going to ask the question, what is the kingdom of God? And we're going to look into specific details about that. Um, we're going to ask, where is the kingdom of God? There are those things, well, it's got to be heaven, right? Eh, yeah, I mean, there's heaven, and then there's also a kingdom here, but you can't see it, but it's also, we're part of it. It's like, ah, it's like this mind, I don't get it, right? Uh, what does it mean to be a citizen in the kingdom of God? What rights and privileges do we get as citizens? What responsibilities do we have as citizens? Uh, what's our response supposed to be? Um, and it's important that we understand before you can actually uh, understand these things and know where we're going, it's important to understand that you can't assume you're a citizen in God's kingdom unless you've actually given your life to the king. We, we guess kind of get that mixed up too in our culture. We think, well, you know, my, my parents are Christian and, and they grew up and my granny went to this church and so I'm kind of, I'm in. <laughs> uh, no, it doesn't work that way. Um, my mom used to say that, you know, she, well, my son's a pastor. And like, 
So <laughs> sorry, you don't get any extra stars, right? Um, it has to be your decision. And what that means is you're making him in charge of your life. You understand, you believe, you have the faith, you believe his son died on the cross, and you accept him, two big words here, as Lord, which is a fancy way of saying king, and Savior. You put him in charge of your life, right? And so once you do that, then you become a citizen in God's kingdom, and then you find out, what do you want me to do? Um, I, I'm going to wrap up real quick because I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I love this message. So I go on way too long. Um, I want to share one more scripture with you guys, um, and then we'll kind of wrap up with this. What I love about God's kingdom is it's, it's, it's concrete, it's real, yet it's incredibly mysterious. It's a message that's like, it's incredible. Jesus talked so much about the kingdom of God. And if you don't know this, Jesus is a brilliant teacher. And so what he would do is he would find creative ways to talk to people. He would use things called parables. Um, and through parables, he could talk to someone who was highly educated, who had been studying you know, uh, the Bible since they were five years old. And now they're in their 40s. He could talk to them. He could talk to those who were illiterate and farmers. He could talk to those who were analytical, those who were emotional. And he could do it all. And the way he talked to so many people was through a parable. Now, what a parable essentially is, it's an illustration in layman's terms. Okay, so earlier, as I'm talking about, you know, Disney World and talking about Buckingham Palace, that's an illustration. And what Jesus would do is he would tell about something that they understood. We just took communion. They understood what bread and wine was. You with me? And he could take that and say, body and blood. Like, I get it. So what he does here is he tells about the kingdom of God. This is Mark 4, 30 through 32. And uh, if you'll follow along with me, here's what he says. Jesus says, okay, how can I describe the kingdom of God? And they're going, yes, we would really appreciate that because we don't get it. What story should I use? Here it is, to illustrate it. That's, okay, it's a parable. And a parable, by the way, is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's an illustration. Okay, 31. Here's what he says. It's like a mustard seed. Now, they would know exactly what a mustard seed is because, again, where they are, they had mustard seed and they had mustard trees. It's like the mustard seed that's planted in the ground. It's the smallest of all the seeds, but because the large, it becomes the largest of all the garden plants, and it grows long branches. And here's a great you know, visual, and the birds can rest to make nests in its shade. And so here's several things we know about the kingdom. Just from this little glimpse, the kingdom is alive. The kingdom starts incredibly small and gets incredibly big, and we also know it's incredibly, incredibly powerful. So let me, let me show you a quick picture of a mustard seed. That, my friends, is one small seed. I mean, you look at that, and it's like, well, what could that possibly do, right? And what Jesus says is just like the kingdom of God. This thing started so small, and it's going to explode with power. So you look at that little tiny seed, and then here's a picture of an actual mustard tree from Israel. It's huge. They get like 25 foot tall, and you can see just how long the canopy is. And he says that people can just rest and make nests in its branches and its shade. So, so push that visual for a visual for a minute, and let's talk about the, the basics, what we know. About two months from now, we have an event called Christmas. That's around the world. And Christmas started incredibly, incredibly small. There's a young woman named Mary. Holy Spirit came, impregnated her. And if you're new to church, you're like, that's weird. And like, okay, stay with me. Angel shows up and says, you're going to have a baby. You've never been with a man, and that baby will grow up to be the savior of the world. You talk about small, itty-bitty-bitty. 
And then all of a sudden, Jesus is the size of a walnut inside of his mama, right? And then size, maybe the maybe size of a grapefruit. And he's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then what we know, this is a, this is a very fast for, moving forward, Jesus would grow up to be the greatest teacher of all time, live a perfect life, and then sacrifice his life for all of mankind. And then come back from the dead. And then start the church. It's like, whoa, 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 that's a lot going on real quick. It, it almost got stamped out, though. I mean, if you look at Scripture, uh, the amazing thing is, is Jesus came back, and he's talking to all of his followers, and there's not a lot of people there. And they're under heavy persecution. This whole thing could have been stomped out, but not God's kingdom. Started very small, and then what happens? He builds his church through a guy named Peter. Some of those people said, hey, this is a really cool thing. We're going to advance the mission. They go down the road to Antioch. They start another church. You look throughout the book of Acts, throughout the book, churches are just popping up all over the place. There are churches all over the world now, all over the world. And they're not the kingdom of God. They're vessels to do something, and that is to advance the mission and advance the purpose of the kingdom of God. This thing has exploded, and, and Jesus says it started so small, and now it's huge. So I want to end with this. So let's talk about you, right? Um, because the truth is, the kingdom of God started small in you as well. Started so small in me. I, I'm actually, uh, I'm part of an amazing small group. Um, and what we're doing is we are asking everyone to share their testimony before we kind of move forward and study scripture. And of course, I'll never share details about that. But what's been so amazing is to hear everyone's life story. And then it kind of goes back to where Jesus impacted them. I get the privilege of sharing my testimony tomorrow night, and I got a world of craziness, and here I am, you know, leading a church and, and becoming an ordained pastor, but it all, it all goes back to something so small, a mustard seed of faith. So where is it with you? He's calling us to be a part of the kingdom of God. And Jesus says it, it starts so small, but this thing explodes, and what God can do through, a, yes, a church, and yes, through a kingdom mindset, but through you individually and through your family and through your kids, that's where it gets explosive. And when you begin to share other people, it begins to grow exponentially. So what I want to remind you guys is where we're going with this, we're talking about the kingdom of God. Next week, my favorite topic, we're talking about the king. And then we're talking about the citizen. And then we're talking about the, the cause. And then we're talking about the community. Because we are coming together and we have a purpose. And so I want to pray for you guys, but I want to remind you before we break, again, if you ever have questions if you are not a citizen of God's kingdom, we want to share that with you. It would be our privilege and honor to, to stick around and talk with you or, or contact us online on our website and just know that Jesus loves you regardless, and he has a plan for you. Wow, what a great message from Pastor Tom Wilson. I love all the things we're going to get to learn in this new series called The Kingdom of God on how we can be citizens of the kingdom and not just the church. What a great message. Katie Rose and I are going to be talking about this sermon on Thursday for our discussions episode. And if something stood out to you, we want to hear about it. Email the podcast at podcast at re.church. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at re.churchplano. We look forward to seeing you on Thursday. Stay safe. Stay warm out there. It's hitting the 39s today. <laughs> Have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you on Thursday.